Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. is allow me and welcome to episode 104 of the super abundant life podcast now before i go on to what i'm going to be teaching today i have a quick announcement to make if you listened to last week's episode to the end <laughs> then you would have heard me say that super abundant life podcast is going to be evolving we're thinking of making changes etc so part of that process of evolution of wanting to serve you better, making sure that the podcast is making the impacts that we want it to make, that we desire. Part of that process requires us to go on a brief break so that we can re-strategize, so that we can look at things from different perspectives, different angles, see what's working, see what's not really working, and then come up with a bold and fresh new way of presenting the podcast to you. One of the reasons why I'm actually doing this now is because Allow Me Brigger Consulting, which is the umbrella company of gems saw all the programs that we are on and offer we just finished recruiting a round of recruiting actually we haven't finished uh, still in the process of hiring somebody else over the next couple of weeks but we've been recruiting in this season and one of the people that we brought onto the team is now going to be the creative director for the podcast. So in order to allow this person do what they do best and bring their own fresh ideas and their new perspective, which is why I hired him, <laughs> we're going to go on break so that I and my new team member, as well as the rest of the team, can sit down and really not have the pressure of having to produce episodes during that time so that we can really, really dig deep and see how we can move the podcast forward. Now, that automatically means that we want to hear from you. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, or even if this is your first episode that you're listening to, I would love to hear from you. What do you think is working? What do you love about the podcast? What do you think we should improve? What would you rather not have on the podcast? 
podcast? What topics would you like us to talk on? What sort of guests would you like us to bring on, etc., etc.? So please reach out to me at contact at allowmebrigway.com or if you follow me on Instagram, allowmebrigway, then you can very easily send me a DM. I look forward to hearing from you. So we're going to suspend brand new episodes of the podcast for the rest of May and we will be back in June for new episodes. Within that time, you will still have an older episode republished so that you can still keep learning from the podcast. All right, so let's go on to what we're going to be looking at today. To introduce today's topic, I thought I'd start with a story. I'll tell you a story. I promise it's not my story. <laughs> okay, it's actually not my story. It may sound similar, but I, I promise you that is not my story. So I have this friend that we sort of grew up together and I've known her literally almost all of my life and we went to the same university. She was a few years, maybe three years or so behind me. When she was in secondary school, uh, she met this guy and they were like soulmates. They were really close. They started dating probably as early as when they were 15 or 16. They went everywhere together. They did everything together. And if you see one person, you see the other. You know that that kind of couple. <laughs> I kind of annoyed. <laughs> I'm joking, though. But you know what I mean now. When you were at university, once you see one person, the other person is nearby somewhere. Like, people don't you come and go and get a live job. Don't you have other people to spend time with? But anyway, they were like that, completely tight, and everybody had just assumed not even assumed as in this is a foregone conclusion these ones are going to spend the rest of their lives together and that was certainly where they were heading their parents had met each other and by the time they graduated it was pretty much a done deal so when they finished school the guy got an admission to do his master's somewhere in the united states and he decided that he was going to go and the plan was I think she was serving at the time or something like that, that she would then move about a year later so that she could go and meet him, then they would get married, etc. But before he left, to show you how deep this thing had gone, their families actually came together and they did the traditional introduction. And if you do introduction where I come from, it is pretty much done. It is just a matter of, okay, let's set a date. So they did it traditional introduction and off the guy went now when the guy got to the united states the dynamics changed a little bit so obviously this was her telling me all the story later on the dynamics began to change which sometimes happens in long distance relationships but they still kind of maintained the tempo of their relationship as much as they could but then she now realized that a few months after he traveled so she went to see him a few times. She traveled to the United States to visit him, spend a couple of weeks, and then come back. All the while, the plan was, we're certainly getting married. I'm just f waiting to finish my youth service or whatever it is that she was doing, that she couldn't travel immediately. And once I'm done with that, I'm going to move over to the U.S. We get married and we'll continue living our lives the way we have envisioned it. She realized now that the first visit, it was okay. Like, ah, 
this guy is acting a bit funny. I don't understand what's going on. She didn't really say anything. Second visit, like he was becoming more and more distant. And she was wondering, what is going on? I don't understand. By the third visit, he basically just dropped a bombshell on her and said, well, I'm really sorry, but this can't work. I met somebody else and you're not the one. Mm. You're not the one. Somebody else is the love of my life now. And I don't think we can move forward with this. And as you can imagine, she was heartbroken. She was completely devastated. She was completely and utterly devastated, crushed by this. So she came back to Nigeria. She became a shadow of herself. This is someone she had known pretty much all her life. And by this point, they were probably only 21 or maybe 22. I don't know. But she had dated this person maybe eight, nine years. And for you to all of a sudden show up and then say, I'm sorry, I've seen somebody else. You no longer fit into the picture that we both sat down and envisioned the, what the future would look like. She was, I mean, she was crushed. So I didn't know all of this because after I traveled out of the of Nigeria to move to the UK, we sort of lost contact and we only kept in touch via Facebook. After a while, you know how <laughs> Facebook, I don't know about now because people don't really post on Facebook again, but when Facebook was very vibrant, it was the easiest way to know when somebody has left somebody or a relationship is no longer uh, working or people have broken up or those kind of things because you would just notice that they've stopped posting pictures about the person or they've removed all the pictures of the person from their page etc etc now because of the way these people were so much in love and so much in everybody's faces uh, about their relationship she had obviously been posting both ways both of them had been posting on facebook pictures etc etc and all of a sudden you're like, ah, no more pictures. I, I don't, it's gone very quiet. And then you go to their page, like, ah, it's only your own picture that's there. Where is this Bobo's picture now? All gone. So I reached out to her and I said, ah, what's up? And, you know, she was like a younger sister to me. Like I said, we grew up together. And I said, is everything okay? I, is everything okay? And she basically opened up and said, ah, this is what happened. Oh. So this was probably maybe two or three months or maybe six months at most when this guy had broken up with her and basically said, listen, I found somebody else that I finally noticed that something was up and I contacted her. So she began to tell me about everything that, about what he had done. She now said, however, that she's actually getting ready to get married. So I was like, hey, hey, this is proper gist. Oh, yeah, let's sit down and talk. <laughs> this one is not a let's text kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm calling you right now because I love stories like that. And she basically started telling me about how when she came back from the U.S. from that last visit, she was, you know, as I said, completely devastated and she didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to see anyone. She was just like, leave me alone. I don't even want to do anything. And then all of a sudden, a job opening came into her space to move to Abuja or something like that because she was in Lagos. And she was like, in fact, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. I need to get out of this city. Everything that reminds me of this guy is here, all the places we used to go together. So she jumped at that opportunity to move to Abuja. And literally within a month, literally, because it wasn't long, 
after this guy did what he did literally within a month she met someone now it didn't start off as a romantic relationship but she just met someone and of course when she met this guy in church she was in a place where she's like I'm not even looking for anyone. I'm so, she was even still hoping that this guy, what are you doing? You will come back to me. You are mine. You are my husband and all those kind of things. So she was still in that space where she's like, no, 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 no. He's just confused. He's going to come back. So she wasn't giving this guy any kind of face at all. Like, who are you? As in, I'm happy to talk to you and respect you, you know, because you are someone that is reputable in the church, but please don't even try and she really didn't give him any face but the guy didn't he basically didn't go away so he just he didn't pressure her he just hung around he he would buy her things he would help her he would talk to her he would teach her basically he helped her get through what she was going through in a in a very selfless way not like oh I have a hidden agenda. I just, I want you for my girlfriend. So that's why I'm doing all these things. He was attracted to her in the sense that this lady is definitely going through something. And I know that I can help her. And basically God just put that desire inside him to help her. And that was how it started. So he would call her up, share the scriptures with her, pray for her on days where she had pretty much cried all weekend and hadn't eaten this guy would randomly call her and just start praying for her and as a result of that the burden started to lift and she began to say "Ah, this guy well he's you know he's kind he's nice you know he's you know and she allowed herself to open up to this person and they started a relationship and she realized that oh my god that (laughs) in fact literally because the the guy the new person was quite a bit older than her he wasn't going to faff around and say day two for 10 years within six months literally they're married and now when i look at their life i'm like oh my goodness it is like a fairy tale you could not have written that but one thing that she said to me during that conversation is one of the things the main thing i'm going to be talking about today she told me that all the while when she was dating this guy she was the the first guy that she was so much in love with him and because that was all she knew she thought that was the best she could ever get but then once she has now tasted and now is on the other side of that relationship and in a brand new relationship that when she compares the two she's like oh my god so you mean i was going to actually be stuck in that relationship and that would have been the best i could have experienced with that person meanwhile with this new person one of the things that she said has transformed her life the most is her husband is a deeply spiritual man meanwhile that other one was a christian oh but like just on the surface like periphery so they were actually getting into the kind of stuff when they were dating that they shouldn't have been doing and she's like when she started dating this other person that became her husband he was very straightforward and no 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 treated her with integrity treated her with honor respect did not try to touch her, did not try to do any of those things, did not try to, you know, trick her to come to his house and any of those things, treated her like a queen from the very beginning. It's just so beautiful to behold. The love that they share. When I look at her story, I'm just like, honestly, if you can reframe rejection, it is actually the best thing that ever happens to you. If you ever find yourself in a place or a position 
where you have been rejected, you should begin to dance. You should begin to rejoice because that is basically an opportunity for you to experience the biggest miracle of your life so far. Rejection. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So that guy, in his own wisdom, rejected her. And literally, because of that rejection, she ended up with far greater for her. Now, I'm not saying that the guy that rejected her is not good. All right. I'm going to be walking you through and and showing you that when things don't fit, okay, there are things in our lives that do not fit. So this person, the person that she was dating originally, as he went to to the United States, he may have met somebody else and he may have realized that, ah, actually this person fits me much better than the person that I'm about to marry. And as a result of that, he awakened to the fact that, oh, I can't marry this person. And he went and married the person that he's supposed to marry. So I'm not vilifying um, the person that left her and saying he's a bad person. No. What I'm saying is if you have been rejected, instead of actually seeing it as something that has come to destroy you, you can reframe it and see it as something that has come to absolutely elevate your life to the next level. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, first of all, let me acknowledge that rejection is not a walk in the park. Rejection hurts. It doesn't matter how strong you are. (laughs) It doesn't matter how confident you are, how independent you are. If you care about something, if you are emotionally attached to something and that thing is taken away from you, or the door is shut in your face, you will experience pain. Rejection hurts. It's not a walk in the park, right? In fact, some studies have proven (laughs) that rejection actually feels like physical pain, that experiencing rejection activates the same areas of your brain that makes it feel as if somebody punched you in the face or somebody shut the door on your fingers. You know, that knot in your stomach, that pain, especially the pain of rejection, it is terrible. It is terrible. But beyond that pain, do you know that it actually can drag people into a black hole that makes the outcome of their lives far worse than the rejection that they experienced? Do you understand that? And that is always the idea that Satan presents us. It's a temptation to take it and say, oh, woe is me. Oh, see what has happened to me. And if you bite, if you bite on that temptation, that Leo that Satan is presenting to you, he will very quickly drag you into this black hole. Like, oh my goodness, to get out of it is, (laughs) it takes a whole lot more than if he had originally reframed that rejection. Now I'm using the term reframing and I'll explain what that means. Have you not read that it says in the Bible, the very stone which the builders rejected and threw away has become the cornerstone. It says, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our lives. So that's from Matthew 21, 42. 
God is in the business of taking something that has been cast away and making it the cornerstone. Do you know what the cornerstone is or the capstone? It's the stone that takes the place of the highest prominence in the entire building. So builders are building some kind of monument or whatever it is, and they pick up a stone and they say, this looks ugly, it doesn't fit, and they throw it away. And they say, no, we don't need that. The Bible says that by the time they finished building, and they need the cornerstone, the, the stone that will take the highest place of prominence. He says, the Bible teaches us that they will start looking and start searching at which one deserves it or which one do we put. And by the time they've searched and searched, they will finally conclude that it was the same stone that in the beginning they thought was not good enough that will now perfectly fit. That when they put it like, wow, this is the exact perfect stone that we need to put as a cornerstone or the capstone or the stone that takes the highest place of prominence. That is how God views rejection. So if we begin to view rejection like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. He left me because I'm not beautiful enough. He left me because I have issues with this. Oh, my character is not good enough. Or because of the way I talk to him. Or because, you know, I'm not this enough. I'm too much of this. I'm too less of that. Then what you are really doing is you have forgotten and turned your back on what God said, which is that that same rejection, the per, the very thing that you were rejected for, if you give God time and space, did you hear what I said? If you just give God time and space, you will soon become a prominent person regarding that thing. That area of your life that you thought you were rejected in, if you give God enough time, and enough space, you will soon become one that stands out and one that is to be reckoned with in that particular area of your life. Do you understand that? The stone that the builders rejected and threw away has become the cornerstone. Now, in my own personal life, (laughs) I chose to use somebody else's story and I started by sharing that story with you, but I could have spent this entire podcast sharing my own stories. (laughs) Ah, honestly, rejection has been my best friend in places where I have been rejected and people that I have been rejected by. When I look back now and I see where I am today, they actually played the most important part in my progress and in my journey through life. The ones that always accepted me, yes, they played their part, but I'm telling you that the ones that lent themselves to that process of rejection actually played the most significant part in moving me forward in life. Honestly, I'm telling you that if you sit down and begin to cast your mind back over the journey of your life, you realize that the painful parts where people may have mistreated you, rejected you, or they have said you are not good enough and shut the door in your face, you will realize that what came next, right, after that rejection was something that you could not have planned or envisioned for yourself. It was so good that you were like, wow, thank God these people didn't accept me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So what I'm going to be walking you through in today's episode is how to reframe rejection 
for two reasons. Number one, like I said, because every single one of us will go through rejection. We have gone through rejection and that last rejection you experienced was not the last you're ever going to experience. You will still go through rejection, number one. And number two, not to allow yourself to be paralyzed by fear of rejection and not do anything and refuse to move forward. Because if you fear rejection so much and the pain, like I said, remember, it's almost like physical pain that rejection brings, you will move forward. And if you don't understand that on the other side of that rejection is some of the greatest breakthroughs of your life, then you will move forward. You will keep avoiding anything that will put you in a place where you could possibly be rejected. So those are two very important reasons why you must learn to reframe rejection, not just as redirection, as some people say. So for example, if a door shuts, it means you're supposed to go in a different direction. Yes, that's true, but that's only part of the story. It's not just redirection, but it's actually the very tool and instrument that God is going to use to bring you into places of prominence that you could not have entered into otherwise. Do you understand what I'm saying? If that man, young man, had not broken up with my friend after how many years of dating, they would have gotten married. And she would have had an experience in marriage that would have been nowhere near what God truly, truly had for her. So I'm going to walk you through something that Jesus said in John chapter 15 to help us understand this whole thing about rejection and why you should stop seeing rejection as something that has come to bury you. Okay. Now, John chapter 15, I'm going to read first of all, all the way through, and then I will break it down into steps. He says in verse one or from verse one, I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6 says, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and with us, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask what you want, anything you want, and it will be granted. Finally, verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to the Father. So I'm going to walk you through some of the ideas that will help you begin to reframe the way you see rejection, whether it's a rejection of, oh, I applied for this role and I was turned down. I tried to apply for that promotion and I was declined. I was in a relationship and we thought it was heading somewhere and all of a sudden the relationship broke. I, I thought this was going to happen and then something, something happened and here we are. I was rejected. Okay. To begin to reframe it. The first thing here, going back to verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener the first idea the first thought that you should imbibe and ingrain in your heart is that god is the gardener of your life 
God is the dresser. You know, it talks about the vine dresser. He's the gardener. He's the one that watches over your life. So God has seen, you know, he has an overview of your entire life from the moment you are born to the moment you're meant to go home to be with the Lord. He, he can see everything in one massive, gigantic view. So God is not planning as you go along. He's not saying, hey, oh, she's about to hit 21. What's next? And you know the way we set resolutions and the beginning of the year say, okay, so what am I going to plan and achieve this year? You think God is like that? <laughs> you think God shows up and says, ah, she's about to hit 40. Okay, what's going to happen in the next 40 years of her life? No, I hope you know. And you, you know, sometimes we don't really... You can know somehow in the back of your mind, but do you really know that the days of your life are numbered? As in day one, God had already written what will happen in your life. He has already orchestrated all things. He knows that, okay, I'm going, I'm going to move this person, inspire her to go to that city and live there because that's where she would meet her husband. Or she will go to that school and then she'll stumble upon a group of friends that will form friendships with her that will last her entire life. Do you know that God is one that has already seen all of these things? He knows the purpose that he wrote for you to come and fulfill on earth. And as a result of that, he knows how to orchestrate the events of your life to fit that purpose and to make sure that you fulfill that purpose. Do you see God like that? Jesus said, I am the grapevine and my father is the gardener. So you are not someone that is floating through life somewhere. No, you are engrafted into Christ. You are one with Christ and God is the one that is responsible for your growth and increase and multiplication on this earth. If the gardener is God, it means God is the one that is responsible for you fulfilling your purpose. You know, the way we carry this purpose thing on our heads, as if God born you and then say, yeah, go, go and change the world by doing X, Y, and Z. And then he now put the thing on you and say, bye-bye. And then you now came to the earth and you started running around and say, hey, God has sent me to come and do X, Y, and Z. How am I going to do it? Oh, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? You don't even have the power to change one little leaf on a tree. Talk less of doing X, Y, and Z to change the world. You don't have that much power. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We carry responsibility for things we should never have to bear responsibility for. God is the one that is responsible for you fulfilling your purpose on this earth. Look at the life of Jesus. Oh, when you read the gospel, sit down and actually think through it, the life of Jesus and meditate on it. Because if you can study the life of Jesus properly and really meditate on it. Jesus came as the model. The relationship that Jesus had was the model of the kind of relationship that we can have with God. The way God orchestrated the life of Jesus was this is the model of how God also orchestrates our lives. If you read, I, I believe it's the Matthew version of the gospel, it will say things like, so that it can be fulfilled according to that which was written. So God had already written a certain purpose for Jesus for which he sent him into the earth. It was now not Jesus' responsibility to make all those things happen and to fulfill that destiny. All he had to do 
was to submit himself to the father and the father would orchestrate the events in the life of jesus to align with his purpose and his destiny so when he was born i can just picture an angel walking up to herod or whoever it was that made that decision and whispered inside the ear of that person you need to do a census now and then the person woke up and said hey what when was the last time we did census oh it's been even if it was yesterday they said we must do another census all right scribe come and issue this decree and sound it throughout the whole of jerusalem and to the ends of all of israel and say everyone must be counted and not only must they be counted they must be counted in the place of their birth as in where they come from that was how joseph and mary had to go to bethlehem and jesus ended up being born in bethlehem do you understand what i'm saying i mean did, did Jesus orchestrate that? No, there's certain things that have been written about your life, right? You might say, oh, Jesus was a baby then, so God had to do it. Listen, did you not read that Jesus said, I do nothing except that with the Father shows me? Meaning God had already written certain events concerning the life of Jesus. He would just observe and then do, meaning it was pre-orchestrated. Jesus didn't go through life trying to force anything to happen. It was literally pre-orchestrated and he just made sure that he was close enough to the father with his ears to the father's mouth so that he could hear and then do. Do you understand? So God is the gardener of your life. Stop taking responsibility for your own life. He's your father and he's also the gardener. So it's his responsibility to make sure that you bear fruit. Can you see that? So that's the first idea. So when you begin to see this way, that God is actually the one that is responsible for my life. When, some, when things happen, you will not fall apart. You will not, you know, like, I don't know, be completely devastated by any event in your life. So you might feel the pain, but you'll be like, listen, the emotions are causing me to feel this pain. I can't deny that. However, I will not allow this pain to take me to the place of despair because I know that my life is in the hands of God. God is the one that is orchestrating all the events of my life. You have to begin to think like that. I mean, somebody wants to die because they applied to a job in a place and they didn't give them the job and they thought, oh, but that's where I want to work. I mean, if you reframe it and think, oh, oh, you mean, okay, God is a gardener. God is one that is orchestrating the event of my life. If this door shuts, right, it's either of two things that will happen. It's either the same people that shut the door will come back and will say, oh my goodness, we made an absolute mistake and you will become the chief cornerstone. The same way the builders had rejected and threw away the stone and they were the same builders that came back and said, ha, we're sorry, and they put it in the place of prominence. Or, so that's one, or the only other option is that there is something far greater that God is redirecting me to in order to occupy my place of prominence. Do you understand? So either way, you don't lose. Either way, you do not lose. You don't lose. Why? Because God is responsible for your life. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay? That's the first thing. Start seeing your life like that. Okay? When you see it like that, 
No matter how painful the rejection feels, there is something real. Sit down and reassure your heart that this can only work together for my good. This is, this is a redirection into my place of prominence. If people rise up against you and choose to be enemies to you, say, ah, praise God. This is the perfect opportunity for God to actually bring me into my place of prominence. Why? Because God is the one that is the gardener of your life. Let's move on to the second idea. Verse 2 says, now we have established that God is the gardener of your life. Okay? He's the one that's looking after you. He's the one that's tending you. He's the one that knows to put the right fertilizer, the right environment around you in order for you to prosper, in order for you to fulfill your purpose. The second thing that the gardener will also do is this. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do produce fruit so that they will produce even more. All right. Now let me break that down for you. Do you know what that means? So the gardener walks around his vineyard and he's looking, he's looking at all the trees, all the vines, the flourishes, that oh, that one's really blossoming. And the gardener begins to scrutinize every vine to say that, oh, this one is doing well. So how do I make sure that this vine actually makes it to the end and with a great harvest? So the gardener begins to scrutinize the different things and begins to see, oh, okay, maybe there's a branch there that's actually dying and it is now a liability to the vine and it is sapping the strength that should be going into making that vine flourish and prosper and bring forth a great harvest. That is the job of the gardener and that is what God is doing. Now, this is the second idea that I want you to see. Hmm. Let me read that scripture to you again. It says, he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will bear fruit even more. So there are seasons and events in your life that are actually orchestrated by God himself. Why? Because he knows the full picture of your life. Don't forget that we as human beings, no matter how much foresight you say you have, no matter how much of a visionary you say you are, no matter how much you have projected the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, you cannot have sight like God. You can't see precisely, exactly as God sees at every point in time. You know, God sees the end from the beginning. He sees the whole thing. He reveals it to us in batches. Now, what does that mean? There are certain things as you go along the way. Now, notice I'm leading up to the second idea. Just stick with me. Notice how these branches are part of that vine. Okay. The branch is inside. So there are things that we become emotionally attached to as we journey through life that God is saying, listen, where you are going, this thing you have become emotionally attached to is not going to serve you. So uh, here we go. Boom. And he will orchestrate an event that will cause that thing to be cut out of your life and an outright rejection will take place. Did you hear what I said? So this one is not even Satan. Who cuts? It says is the vine keeper. 
the vine dresser, the gardener, who? God. And what do I mean by emotionally attached to something? Your mind probably goes to a romantic relationship. Yes, that's one example. So you were dating someone. I gave the example of my friend. She thought that was the person she was going to marry. She was so emotionally attached to this person. But then God looked at both of their lives and said, you people are not good for each other, right? You might have a so-so marriage if you marry. And well, maybe things might happen to a certain degree. But I've seen the purpose that I've written for both of you. You are better off with other partners. And then boom, the axe lands. Now, do you know why it's painful? Because of the emotional attachment. But God needs to sever that attachment in order to get you to where you are. Now, if you're that branch, as the gardener is wielding his axe and cutting off the branch, you'll be complaining. No? The tree, the vine will be saying, why are you doing this to me? I don't understand. Why are you depleting my life? Why are you cutting off branches? Hey, hey, look at me now. I look like I, I, I only have two branches when I used to have 10 and 15 and I look so robust. You know that he will be complaining. That vine will be seriously complaining. The same way we feel bad, we experience pain and we are complaining bitterly when things get cut out of our lives through rejection, through rejection. But what was the purpose of that? The first one is this, okay? It says the reason why things get cut out of your life, the reason why you experience rejection is because the end result is for you to do what? Bear more fruit. So it's actually going to end up being far better for you that that relationship, that job, that role, that promotion was cut out of your life and the access that you thought you had to it was removed much better than if you had still held on to that thing. So come back in, I don't know, maybe a few weeks time and the vine notices are, ah, ah, come on. I was progressing at, you know, plus one every day. Like I was just growing from one to two to three. And after I was pruned, oh, wow. After the dead branches were cut off, wow, I've been accelerating at multiple times. So today I was, I was three. And then I just woke up and realized, oh my goodness, I'm now 400. And the next day I was 1,600. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, it's because he was pruned, number one. And number two, dead branches were cut off. So rejection shows up in your life, not to deplete you, to deprive you of something that you think you should have. But the reason why it really showed up is to get you to what you should actually have. Ooh, did you hear that? What God or the gardener, the plan that the gardener had for that vine was plenty fruit. So the gardener had a, had a certain amount of fruits, grapes that, uh -uh, look at this kind of vine. This is the kind of fruit you should be produ producing now. So from the beginning, right, the vine dresser knew the kind of fruits that this vine should be producing. But then he compared, he's like, ah, yeah, at one, when you should be in millions, it's like, oh, I see why dead branches and dead leaves and all those things. So it's time. So he brought out his scissors and began to cut everything. 
So the reason why you went through that rejection was simply to detach you from things that would have held you in a place that was lower than where God wanted you to be in. Do you understand that? So that vine would have stayed stuck at that level one and maybe progressed enough to get to level five. Meanwhile, he should be playing at the level of millions. And the vine dresser knows that. The vine dresser knows that. So it's like, shut the door. No matter how much you pray. You are praying, and you don't know that that you are doing. You are basically saying, Father, shut that door. Don't ever let that door open because there's another door. So you know, <laughs> if we could interpret the tongues that we pray. You think you are praying, Father, open this door. The Bible says you are the one that opens the door that no one can shut. You think you are saying that in English. But the moment you start praying, what you are really praying is you are praying according to the will of God and you are saying, Spirit of Most High God, don't ever let any man open this door. This door is shut forever. <laughs> you understand? Do you understand? Hmm. Would the vine dresser, the gardener, not have been wicked? To know that ah, this vine should be operating at the level of millions, and see this vine here operating at level one, level two, hmm? and why? And the gardener too can then see why, can see that it's because of these dead branches. Would the gardener not have been a wicked person to say, oh, let's just leave it? It's okay. No, God will be wicked to see you attached emotionally to things that are slowing you down that will not allow you become who he created you to be and to enter into places of prominence if you just sit back fold his arms and say well it's your life oh i'm telling you god is much more actively involved in your life than a lot of us think we think god just sits down on his and puts his leg on his footstool and he's sipping uh i don't even know cocktails and he's saying look at all this children no god is actively involved in our lives he is. So that's the second idea. Rejection <laughs> is pruning so that you can bear much more fruit. The same way the rejection of that stone by the builders was so that when it was time for the capstone to be placed, he would then now be the only obvious choice. If he had not been rejected, he would have just been another stone that nobody knows about. Do you see what I'm saying? That's a second powerful idea that will help you reframe rejection. The first is God is a gardener of your life. Relax. Go to sleep. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. God is actively involved in your life. Number two, the gardener, when he sees that you can produce more fruit, he'll begin to cut off certain things that are not scheduled for your future things that are holding you back and keeping you in the same place can you see that oh i have been rejected many times in my life and in the moment it hurts whether it's applying for this job whether it's in a relationship but <laughs> if i look back and i'm like oh my god thank god oh. because you're just like wow only god that is infinitely wise could have looked at my future and thought no 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 but do you know why God has to step in sometimes and just cause 
the other person to reject you or the people to say, no, sorry, we can't offer you this job because you're so emotionally attached, you, you won't be able to do it yourself. Here's what I'm saying. So the vine, for example, cannot take scissors and start hacking off the branches by itself because the branches are hooked. And a lot of times, in fact, all the time, we're dealing with emotional attachments. And emotional attachments get so deep that you know this person is bad for you. You know you hate that job, right? You know this relationship, this person that you're saying is your friend is pulling you down. But you are so emotionally attached that you just don't know how you can get out of it. Now, when God now moves and causes that person to suddenly stop talking to you, or they say, oh, sorry, here's your sack letter, or something like that, you now start crying. If you of you to go to God and say, ah, Father, thank you for helping me do <laughs> what I was not strong to do by myself. If you see it this way, that is truly what you would do. Imagine that stone crying and blaming and say, God, how, how could you let this happen to me? God, you promised me. See, I even thought I would end up being maybe or even like on sixth floor of the building. Um, but they even thought I was not good enough for the foundation and they cast me away and the stone started cursing God. Now imagine that. After they finished building the 20th floor, they now say, okay, what can we use to really make this building shine? What is going to be the capstone that will sit on top of the building that people will come and take pictures of? And they say, is this stone? If that stone had known, would that stone ever have criticized or complained? No. We say, ah, praise God. If I had not been rejected, I would have you know, been relegated to somewhere. Yes, I would have had some measure of resolve, but nothing like if I had not been rejected. When something that you expected suddenly did not happen, that you will see that, ah, okay, even though I don't quite understand it because I don't have God's end-to-end vision, but I know he's the gardener of my life and I absolutely trust him. Now, because of that, what do you do? You enter into a place of dancing and rejoicing. You take that pain because, like I said, there's pain involved, emotional pain. Yeah, you take it to God and you present and you allow him wash you with the word. You worship him until that pain evaporates, holding firmly in your mind those two ideas. As I said, number one, God is a gardener of my life. And number two, God is the one that is orchestrating the events of my life to make sure that anytime I am rejected, it is because He has a place of prominence that he has scheduled for me to be that I would never have accessed if I had not been rejected by that person or by that organization or by that relationship or whatever it is. Right. I'm going to finish up by reading a scripture to you from Isaiah 27 from verse 2 to verse 6. And it says, in that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard, that's you, that's you. He says, I, the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully. Can you see God's role as a gardener? God says, I am the gardener. I'm the one that watches over that vineyard. I'm the one that waters it carefully. He says, day and night, I will watch over it so no one can harm it. My anger will be gone. God is not doing any of these things because he's angry with you. Far from it. 
couldn't shut that door or inspire people to shut that door in your face because he's angry. Because it's like, how dare you? He's angry with you. No, none of these things is being done in anger. God says, my anger is gone. It is actually love that is motivating me to do these things. It says, if I find briars and thorns growing, I will attack them and I will burn them up. And then he now says in verse six, Israel will bought. He says, the time is coming when Jacob's descendants are talking about you, the vineyard. You will take root. You will bud and blossom and you will fill the whole earth with fruit. Can you see where God really is taking you? When you understand where he's really taking you, all the scrapes and things along the way where he's pruning and you experience rejection and all those things, you will understand that God is the one that sits over your life and he's doing it out of love because he has a view of you bearing fruit that fills the whole earth. Can you see? This is one of the scriptures that I love so much. One of the foundational scriptures of my life. God is the keeper of my life, honestly. Because of that, when I face rejection, the pain is there. I deal with it. I'm like, okay, God, I know that you have a full view of my life, much more than I can even hope to see from where I'm standing. So I completely trust you and I thank you because the only possible outcome of this shut door is that it will work together for my absolute good and prominence. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. I hope that's helped you. So sit down, document those two ideas, powerful ideas that I've shared with you and begin to incorporate it into your daily life. And you'll be amazed at how your life, your outlook on life will transform. Things that used to bother you, all those sleepless nights will be gone. You'll sleep like a baby because you know that your life is in the hands of God. Don't forget, we're taking a break from the Super Abundant Life podcast for the rest of the month of May. We'll be back in June with fresh, brand new episodes, but we will republish older episodes that I believe are relevant to you in this season. And secondly, if you have feedback for us, suggestions, or just what you love about it that you absolutely want to keep, please let us know because everything is under review. The length of the podcast, the type of topics we cover, the conversationalist kind of way that I present it. So everything is going to be under review. And if there's anything that you feel like, ah, no, this one must not change or let us hear. And if there are things that you think, oh, this definitely I would prefer if it was not like this, I would love to hear your feedback. Please send me a message. Send me an email, contact at allowmebrigway.com or literally jump on Instagram, allowmebrigway and send me a direct message. I would love to hear your feedback. We'll be back with fresh episodes in June, but tune back in next Monday for a republished episode. Bye. <laughs>